When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yesterday we heard from various sources the idea that perhaps Melbourne will stage a game with Tottenham Hotspur and Postacoglu in charge. And it doesn't take much imagination to think what that might look like at the MCG, for instance, a homecoming after we've been so engaged with what Spurs have been doing. Tom Barclay is our our correspondent. He's the, the senior football writer at the Sun. He's been a great source of knowledge to us the whole way through. So it's a few months, a couple of months since we've caught up. Let's check in on all matters Spurs, including these Melbourne games. Tom, it's great to have you back on the program. Great to speak to you again, Jared. It's been a while. Now, just before we recap what's been going on, what are you hearing about the prospect of a homecoming for Ange and Spurs playing the game in Melbourne? Yeah, it sounds like it's a possibility. Um, Tottenham are exploring that possibility at the moment. There's no nothing's been agreed yet, but there is a possibility that three days after the end of the Premier League season, uh, so they played Sheffield United in their final game, they could be playing in Melbourne for a, a, an exhibition match, a friendly. Uh, I don't have any details about which team they would face. Um, like I say, it hasn't even been agreed yet. It might not happen, but yeah, there's a chance that you know, all those all those massive Ange Postecoglou fans back in his hometown might get a chance to watch his team. If it was the MCG, Tom, is you could get ninety plus thousand people to that game. It it could be an incredible homecoming. Well, that in itself sort of sums up, I suppose, why they're looking at it. Really, I mean, if you could fill that kind of crowd, you could understand why. I mean, I it, it might be slightly controversial for for some of the players because remember, you know, the likes of James Madison, who obviously is an English. Man, an England reporter, um, he's a primary focus, but, you know, Mickey van der Ven, a whole bunch of the squad will be planning on playing at the Euros, um, you know, within sort of a month after the season ends. So that kicks off June 14th over in Germany. So they'll be thinking about their preparations for that. So I don't think in, in there it would be ideal for them to go to a, a, a post-season friendly, but you can understand why the, the massive fan base that Tottenham now have in Australia, why it would be tempting. All right, so where do we find ourselves as we're about to tick into February? So fifth in the league and just out of the FA Cup. How have the past six, eight weeks been? I mean, they've done well because they've been decimated by injury and suspension. During that period, the likes of uh, Mickey van der Ven, as I mentioned before, Christian Romero, James Madison, all these key players, and then players suspended, then his player has been away. So Sun Hyung Min, the captain, who's been an absolute inspiration this season, uh, is still away at the Asia Cup at the moment. I think South Korea actually won today on penalties in dramatic circumstances against Saudi Arabia. So he'll be away for a little bit longer. Pape Matissal will be coming back because Senegal knocked out. But uh, I think at the moment, Ipasuma is still away with Mali. So anyway, the point being, they've been missing a lot of their key players um, and they've kind of hung on in there. It definitely hasn't been as sort of, uh, you know, uh, one-way traffic as it was in the first sort of 10 games. They've had some um, some tricky results and some difficult um, moments, but they're only eight points off the top of the Premier League. I don't really think anyone is expecting them to 
to really challenge for the title. Although Ange has not played that down, he was asked directly a couple of maybe a week or so ago, you know, whether they were in a title race. And it was, I mean, you'll know better than me, really, Jared. I'm starting, I'm sort of catching up here with his kind of uh, honest, kind of frank answers. And he was just sort of saying, well, technically, when you look at the points difference, yes, I suppose we are. He wasn't saying, you know, outright, we are definitely in for the title, but we all enjoyed it from the journalist's point of view. But um, but yeah, that's kind of where he's at. And um, the only sort of, I guess, downer is they're out the FA Cup. They were they were given a, a pretty about hard a draw as you could possibly get, albeit at home against Manchester City. And I was at the game uh, on Friday night uh, over here, English time. And um, it was a strange game. In fact, it was probably the most dull game of the Angera so far. Uh, and that sort of speaks to how entertaining it's been the whole time. Uh, but in the end, Man City's sort of... Um, they're, they're, as he said, a few years ahead of them and their quality sort of just about shone through and they were knocked out. As a comparison piece, it was a good one and, and Ange framed that in the aftermath, just how advanced Man City are against the project that that he is, you know, just months into. Yeah, that's right. And that's, that's in my opinion, exactly the right way of looking at it. He said, you know, they're eight, nine years ahead of, of where they're at. And, and, you know, we've watched with amazement uh, the Man City sort of story over the last decade or so and how they've, they've put together this unbelievable team with the greatest manager maybe he's ever ever lived, let alone uh, managed in the Premier League in Pep Guardiola. So the fact that Spurs sort of run them pretty close, at least from a scoreline, will have given him encouragement. But I also think he might have been a little bit disappointed by the lack, the sort of toothless element of the, of the, his performance, because he definitely prides himself on how uh, how they give it a go against anyone and and cause problems uh, and score goals. The first game he hasn't scored a goal yeah. um, against anyone. He did it against City away from home with that three all draw back in um, I forget what November or so. Um, but they did. They only had one shot in the end, so that will be something he'll be slightly not worried about, but would be a bit disappointed in, in hindsight. And now, now it means. Spurs have the shortest um, amount of season, the sort of fewest amount of fixtures in one season since about 2006. There's going to be 41 games this year because they only got knocked out of the League Cup straight away as well. So, yeah, I mean, fans are disappointed because the the sort of cross that any Spurs manager has to bear is the the lack of trophies. I mean, one trophy in the Daniel Levy era of now 24 years, that was back in 2008. People really thought they had a chance at the FA Cup this year with that home draw, albeit against Man City. So there is a bit of frustration, but I think that's definitely outweighed by the overall, you know, overwhelming level of positivity and where the Postacogli project is taking time. It felt like the most fun exchange that there's been in recent times was when Ange was asked whether he dreamt of trophies and he replied that he has photos of trophies, which it looked like great sport. What was that like? Yeah, I was in that press conference as well. I mean, like, First of all, I've been on the end of a few of these uh, <laughs> these, these sort of um, let's say slightly withering put downs. It definitely puts you on your puts you on your game. You make sure you try and phrase questions sort of as as, as correctly as possible because he will he will shut it down quickly if uh, if you get it slightly wrong. And I think that was kind of the scenario uh, that played out for that particular um, one. I think everyone in the room sort of knew what my colleague who asked the question was was meaning. He basically meant. Have you thought of yourself as winning trophies at Tottenham? Because he he neglected to say the at Tottenham bit. Yep. Obviously, Ange, Ange came back with his totally fair point about how he doesn't need to dream about it, as you say. Um, but, you know, like today at the press conference ahead of tomorrow's game against Brentford, um, there was another sort of enjoyable moment where one reporter sort of said, 
you're used to winning trophies every year, but obviously this year you're not going to win a trophy. And Andrew's like, oh, so we're not in the Premier League. No, no chance the Premier League at all. And, and then the reporter's kind of like, oh, well, I'm not saying that, but yeah, maybe. And, and sort of, he can put you in a bit of a fluster sometimes. You have to hold your ground. And I think he appreciates when you do. Um, but yeah, it's, as I say, keeps you on your toes. So just the phase that it is. So they're fifth. Uh, top four is always, that's the stride, but fifth holds its own peculiarities this year. And they're five points clear of six. So just, just paint me the scenario entering February as to where Spurs are and what they need from this next little bit of the fixture. Well, they've got a nice little bump from fifth to sixth. And as you point out, fifth might be enough for the Champions League this year. It's probably a bit too complicated to go into extreme detail over. But basically, if if the English teams do well enough in the in the European competitions this season, then next year or, or you know, this season, ahead of next season, we might have five spots for the Champions League. So there is a chance of that. Although Ange did tell me in one press conference, when a question I asked, he said he's not aiming for fifth, mate, yes. was, was one of his answers when I said, oh, there's a chance of fifth. So that shows his, his ambitions are slightly loftier than that. But yeah, um, they're, they're, in, they're in the hunt. Um, it feels like there's a sort of top five at the moment with Aston Villa, albeit right now, as we're speaking, they're losing at home to Newcastle. So that'd be a good result for Tottenham if it can stay that way. Um, Liverpool and Man City. Man City are starting to sort of purr, having had a bit of a, not a hangover from winning a treble, but they haven't really kicked into gear. And they normally do in the second half of the season. They're starting to look pretty good, particularly with Kevin De Bruyne back. Um, but, and there's Arsenal as well. They've had a bit of a wobble of late, but they've definitely got a lot of, a lot of quality and they're probably a little bit further down their line than, than the Postacoglu project. But um, the, the, the sort of benefit from Spurs' point of view is if they're getting all their injured players back, they're getting all their players back soon, if not right now, then it won't be long until the likes of Sun is back from the Asia Cup. Um, and I do think with the way Postacoglu plays, injuries are just going to be a regular thing. It sounds like they were at Celtic and at other clubs. But, you know, I don't think anyone could have really envis- envisaged such a sort of crisis of injuries all at one one stage so hopefully from that point of view the key players like Madison Romero van der Ven and they've signed you know Dragazin and and Timo Werner they've obviously brought in two new players since we last spoke suddenly the squad is looking a lot stronger and that and and the fact that they don't really have many fixtures like in fact February there's a bit of a gap because they were supposed to be playing Chelsea and that that game's going to get rearranged because Chelsea are playing in the League Cup final so they've got a bit of time that, that you know there really isn't any excuses from a sort of tiredness point of view, and that really might play into their hands. Slightly bigger picture, how how much of a bombshell was the Jurgen Klopp announcement at Liverpool? How did that reverberate? Absolutely massive. Yeah. Honestly, like it's quite rare these days with just how you know every cough and spit of transfer news, any news really in football, um, just gets picked up. I mean. You know, you're probably aware of Fabrizio Romano, who's, who's who's done an unbelievable sort of job. This this transfer guy from Italy, journalist who's just on top of everything, and you know it, it, he's kind of set the tone for this kind of like every every sort of phase of a transfer. I know we're not talking about transfer here, but for example, with it, with a transfer, you hear it every single moment. So the point being is, it's quite rare to, to for any much for anything to go under the radar. So the fact that nobody had it. That story that Klopp was, was stepping down um, showed you, I mean, showed you just how well they did to keep it secret. And, you know, Jürgen Klopp has been, he's got to be in the sort of top five managers in Premier League history, maybe top three, definitely up, you know, up there with Alex Ferguson, Pep Guardiola, Arsene Wenger, and then Jürgen Klopp's probably the, the sort of 
four managers that you you would think have been absolutely transformational for it for this season and, and the and the sort of battle between Pep Guardiola and and um, Jurgen Klopp has been Wenger versus Fergie sort of esque and and at that game the other day at Spurs versus Man City we got a chance to ask Pep after the game you know what it meant to him and. And he was brilliant with how he talked about the rivalries had with Klopp. He said he'll sleep better now. He's <laughs> he's um he's stepping down. But yeah, absolutely massive. And to be honest, I actually asked this to 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 Jurgen today, uh, Jurgen to, to Ange Postecoglou today, um, whether Klopp stepping down kind of opens the door for the likes of Tottenham, other clubs to sort of step into the limelight because there's been such a stranglehold in the Premier League between Man City, who won most of the trophies. But Liverpool have been right there with them. If they haven't won it, they've been so close. And those two have been far away better than everybody else, generally. Um, does that open the door for the likes of a of a Spurs to sort of step in? And, and he was never going to be like, yeah, we're definitely going to make the most of it now. But you've got, you've got to get the sense that Spurs and Arsenal and maybe Aston Villa, if they can sustain it, you know, must be sensing a bit of an opportunity. Because even if Liverpool get get it right with the next manager, how you can follow someone like that. We saw it with Alex Ferguson when he stepped down, yeah. you know, how difficult it was for Man United to sustain it. So it feels like an opportunity, but yeah, absolutely bombshell news in, in, in an age where you don't get very much of it of that at all. In the first blush of names talked about as replacements, was Ange's name referenced to Liverpool? Yeah, a little bit. So I think that this sort of standout, like obvious name has been Xabi Alonso, who was linked to the Spurs job before, um, before Ange took over. Uh, because of, he used to play for Liverpool, he won the Champions League there, and he's doing an unbelievable job at Bayer Leverkusen, who are currently above Harry Kane's Bayern Munich in, in the Bundesliga, albeit it hasn't been in management for very long, but because of the Liverpool connection, that makes sense. Roberto De Zerbi, who's the Brighton manager, who, despite being battered by Luton tonight, has generally had an amazing sort of um, impression on the Premier League, is another name mentioned. But then, yeah, Ange as well. Um, he's obviously is well known about his his uh, sort of boyhood love of Liverpool, whether that really comes into things like these, you know, when they become proper professionals, I don't know. And, and, and to be honest, from a personal point of view, when you assess Liverpool's squad, you think he could be actually ideal for them because just think of the way Pedro Porro plays for Tottenham. It's very Trent Alexander-Arnold-esque. You know, Darwin Nunes is the kind of pressing forward he's always in, liked, the 4 3 Everything about it looks actually quite like set up for him. But, you know, personally, obviously... As a, I'm not a Tottenham fan, but I covered the club. You know, it, it would be quite sad to see him sort of leave already because he's only just getting started with Spurs. So I think um, I, I I'd like to think he would, if if they were after him, he'd still stick around at Tottenham because you know they're going places under him, and there's a lot to lot still to be achieved here. I had a chat with a, a Spurs mate on the weekend, and and he referenced: is there an underground rumor around Harry Kane? wanting to come back and exact what is what is that i haven't heard okay. i haven't heard that no. i mean <laughs> um, i mean he you got it i mean i did a piece the other day about harry because we've been watching you know how, how it's been going i mean he's been he's been amazing yep. like his goal record his record over there is he, i mean he's definitely playing his part and then some but because Bayern are struggling and more to the point because by leverkusen are, are just being have done so well suddenly he's in this bizarre scenario where having never won a trophy at Tottenham could that actually happen at the most you know near to guaranteed silverware club in the world at Bayern Munich but there's a long way to go and actually they've, they've caught up a little bit on that but you do you do have to wonder seeing as he calls himself a, a Spurs fan you know he's a Spurs man through and through having come through the club 
you must be watching uh, a fair bit of Tottenham at the moment and thinking, oh, you know, he could have really, he could have gone to another level in this Ange yeah. team. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be stunned. But yes. You never know. It'd be amazing <laughs> if it happened. Uh, so game day tomorrow. What, what, what are we expecting tomorrow? Uh, so it's 6.30 a.m. our time in, uh, that'll be a Thursday. Yeah, six thirty a.m. your time, seven thirty p.m. over here. Um, Brentford at home. Brentford was actually the, Angie's first game um, away. You might remember in the Premier League, which was he reminded. I've forgotten about this, but obviously Kane was sold like days before. Mickey Van der Ven was signed days before, and then on the day of the game, uh, the game actually got delayed by about twenty minutes because there was no water at the Brentford Stadium, which was was definitely a new one. I'd never heard of that before, and actually Ange said to, he sort of look back on it today his press conference saying uh he made a joke about how he felt like he might have destroyed the Premier League within minutes of joining <laughs> it from uh, from that happening which was quite funny but yeah Brentford is a it show it'll show how far they've come because that first game was we didn't know what to expect and it was a very open match and they they, they got away with a not got away they deserved a credible two or draw but I think they've become a bit defensively better since then Brentford have since got Ivan Tony back, who today, um, who has been, you know, is banned for the first four months of the season, eight months in total because of this uh, gambling uh, situation. But everyone knows what a great player he is. And actually, Ange talked about, he labelled him a great player. And he's one, I, I wonder if one to watch, you know, in the summer, because I'd definitely be, I'd be surprised if he wasn't on the move and Spurs should be looking at him, to be honest. But um, so he's another factor. But they're at home. Brentford aren't very good defensively or haven't been so far this season. And with with Spurs, you know, James Madison will be pushing to come back into start. Suddenly with Timo Werner in the team, um, there's a few more options out wide. I feel like Brennan Johnson, who Brentford actually tried to sign in the summer, maybe it's time for him to drop to the bench. He's It's been quite a lot on his young shoulders to play every week and he's, his form's been a bit patchy. But um, yeah, uh, with Spurs sort of coming to the boil with their players coming back, you'd fancy their chances, definitely. Tom, terrific to catch up. Always appreciate your time uh, and we'll keep listening to the the Tottenham way and and reading what you're writing and touch base again in a few weeks. My pleasure, Jarrett, as always.